We'll read tonight from the Gospel of John, the first chapter. We'll read just four verses. John 1, reading verses 14 through 17. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake, he that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. I'd ask each of you tonight to consider the ministry of Jesus on earth and boil it down to maybe two or three words. When you think of Jesus' ministry, what, how would you describe it? I don't know if you have your, how, how long it's going to take, but I'll give you a minute. And if you got your, your two or three words, I'll, I'll consider here what you might have come up with. Perhaps the first word that came to your mind was that he was loving. As he went from town to town healing people, he showed compassion on everyone he came in contact with. Perhaps you thought of him as authoritative. The scripture says he taught as one having authority, and that's made him stand apart from the scribes. Perhaps you thought of the verse that tells us he was just ordinary in appearance. Isaiah says, He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was just like us. Or perhaps you thought of his sacrifice on the cross, and you would describe Jesus as sacrificial. Matthew twenty twenty eight says he came to give his life a ransom for many. John here in the first chapter of his gospel uses several words to describe Jesus. He describes him as the light, describes him as the word, speaks of his glory, but there's two words that he comes back to twice to sum up Jesus' ministry, grace and truth. If we are to be like Jesus, we too will need to be full of grace and truth. Now, we cannot be the fullness of grace that Jesus was and is today. We can't make the sacrifice he made but we want to be like Jesus. Smith's Bible Dictionary says that grace denotes the love of God as displayed in free favor toward men as sinners and destitute of all claim upon him. And so we see that grace is an expression of love. And if we think of the word truth, we would think that that's connected with justice and so we've got these two sides, grace and love and truth and justice. Which one is God? Is God loving? Is God just? Well, 1 John 4.8 says God is love. But the psalmist, Psalm 37.28 says the Lord loveth judgment. So which are we to pick? Well, Thank the Lord, it's not a, a multiple-choice question where you have to only pick just one. 
The Lord has many attributes to him, just as we do. In fact, you could flip that around and say we have many characteristics just as he does because we were created in God's image. When we read through the Bible, it's easy to see examples of God's justice in the Old Testament. And maybe we look at the New Testament as, well, this is God's grace and love. And that's not without some merit. The the New Testament ushered in a new era of grace. And we, we can't neglect that. But we also know that God doesn't change. God always has and always will be just. And God always has and always will be love. And a careful reading of Scripture will reveal God's justice and love in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. We read in the Old Testament the prophets declaring God's word of judgment on Israel and Judah. Ezekiel was one of those that uh, was called to pronounce God's judgment. And if you look at chapter 16, it's one of the strongest denunciations of Israel's sin that we find in the entire Bible. And if you read through that chapter, you know what that means. God did not mince words when calling out Israel's sin and Israel's unfaithfulness to the covenant that God had made with the nation. And yet, at the end of that chapter, in verse 60, we read, Nevertheless, I will remember my covenant with thee in the days of thy youth, and I will establish unto thee an everlasting covenant. You see, God was heartbroken and angry with the nation for breaking the covenant. But God had love toward his people and said, I will bring you back to myself through Jesus. And even in God's justice and judgment, he said, I love you and I will bring you back. If we fast forward to the New Testament, one of the well-known accounts of Jesus' love is found in John chapter 8. We read of a woman who was caught in the act of adultery, and she's there, ready to be stoned to death. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And one by one, her accusers left. Reading in John 8, verses 10 and 11, When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Jesus here chose mercy over judgment. But he still imparted truth to this woman. He didn't just say, I don't condemn you. He said, go and sin no more. It was not just an empty love. It was a love that called this woman out of her life of sin to live a life of holiness. If that woman had gone and continued in sin, then God's justice would have demanded a penalty in eternity. So which are we to choose? Are we to choose love? Or are we to choose truth and justice? 
Well, I would say love and truth could be compared to faith and works. Because if you're familiar with the New Testament, when you read Paul's writings, Paul spends a lot of time writing about the need of faith and that we're saved by faith and not by works. He says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. James says, Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Are these two apostles arguing with one another? I don't think so. Their letters to these churches complement each other. And there's a reason each one emphasized a different aspect. Paul was writing to believers who were struggling to move from the old law into the covenant of grace. James was writing to believers who were living a life of hypocrisy and were not living up to the faith that they they proclaimed. And so the audience matters in the text here. And just as we need faith in works, and they're not mutually exclusive, so too we need love and truth. You might hear one sermon emphasizing the need to love one another and, and what grace does for us. You might hear another sermon that says, we got to hold, hold fast to the truth. Those two sermons work together. They're not contradicting one another. Jesus employed different approaches as well. Just as James and Paul dealt with different audiences, Jesus employed different approaches to different people he encountered. With the woman caught in adultery that we read about, he chose mercy and love, but still brought truth along as well. When he healed the sick, we see the compassion that he showed on those around him. But when we, listen, when we read of his sermons to the people, we read the truth that he's showing and that he's calling them to live a holy life. And then he's going to enable them to live that holy life just as he does for us. He said, if we don't exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, we'll in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. So he wasn't only focusing on love. He says, there's, there's some requirements here. He even declared himself to be the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so he is the embodiment of both love and truth. And he showed how to love sinners while at the same time standing for truth. And that's what we want to do as well. Our approach for one situation or another may be different. We may need to emphasize love here. We may need to emphasize truth here. But we don't compromise either. Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan. We won't read through the the full text there, but the story says that there was a, a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he is attacked on the way, and he's left half dead. And it says a priest comes by and just keeps on going. And the Levite comes by and he he goes over and takes a closer look and then keeps on going. And then the Samaritan comes by and he stops. 
and he binds up the wounds of the man, and he puts the man on his own animal, and he takes him to an inn, takes care of him, pays for the care, says, when I come back, I'll pay you whatever you spend more on this man. And Jesus told this story when a lawyer came asking, who is my neighbor? Trying to justify himself. And Jesus tells this story to show that the Samaritan was the one who was being a neighbor to this man. It wasn't about who is my neighbor, it's to be a neighbor to everyone around us. You see, the Jews believed that the neighbor in love thy neighbor as thyself was just the Jews. Would never be a Samaritan. That was, that, that's my enemy. That's not the one I'm, I'm called to, to love as myself. And the priest and the Levite, as they walked past this man, wounded on the side of the road, they could have imparted many truths to this man. They could have said that he needed to follow all the laws in the book of Moses. And they could have explained how I have to be ceremonially pure to do my duties, and so I I really can't help you right now. The Samaritan, on the other hand, could have also argued with the Jewish man. They didn't believe exactly the same thing. They didn't believe the same thing on where they should worship God, which mountain and which books were holy. But in this case, the Samaritan saw that my first course of action here is love. That's what this man needs right now. We could discuss the rest maybe after he's feeling a little bit better. And so for us, there are times where our best course of action, our first course of action, should be love. Does that mean we abandon truth? Do we only love for the sake of loving? Remember, love and truth are not mutually exclusive. For many years, people have asked, what is truth? And when I say many years, at least around 2000, because Pilate said those words, what is truth? But we also need to ask ourselves, what is love? Love thy neighbor sounds pretty simple. But in our society today, nothing is simple. People will use the expression, love thy neighbor, to try to corner us and say, if you disagree with this person's lifestyle or the things they're doing, and you say that that that's wrong, somehow you're not loving your neighbor. And they'll try to corner us there and say, see, you're not following God's word. What does it mean to love thy neighbor? Does loving my neighbor mean I endorse whatever lifestyle my neighbor has? Does it mean I set aside my convictions in the interest of getting along with my neighbor? People will say, Jesus ate with sinners. I would note that with the woman caught in adultery, Jesus did not go on a campaign to legalize adultery. Jesus showed mercy to this woman and then said, go and sin no more. He didn't say it was okay, but he said, you can live differently than this. You can be freed from this life. We have to be careful not to compromise in the name of love. 
James 4.4 said, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. It's a balance. We do need to show love. We are called to show love. But we do have to stand for truth at the same time. We don't want to make ourselves so close to the world in the interest of showing love that that you can't see a difference between us. We want to help the world come out of that life of sin and live a life of holiness and freedom in God's grace. Paul called us to speak the truth in love. Not just love for love's sake, but love as a gateway to truth. Jesus said in the story of the Good Samaritan, when the Samaritan saw him, he had compassion on him. Compassion will go a long way. Compassion will lead us to show Christ's love to a person, and it will also lead us to, sh- to share Christ's truth with that person for the sake of their soul. Because truth on its own, without love, is cold. But love, without any truth, is empty. Love is a gateway to share truth. When you're, when you're with your neighbor at home, it doesn't always work to come out swinging, but you can build that relationship in the interest of someday, Lord, give me an opportunity to share the gospel with this one. Or anyone you encounter. Sometimes that, that first sign of compassion can, can lead to more conversation with the interest of helping them make it to heaven. Mark Hall and Bernie Herms wrote a song that says, When we love, we earn the right to speak the truth. When we speak truth, we show the world we truly love. They go hand in hand. We don't leave one behind and stick only with the other. We don't, we don't pick one and say, this is the one that God called me to be. God called us to be like He is. And He is loving and full of grace, but He is just and full of truth. And so we need both. Now each one of us is different. For one, loving people comes so naturally. Some people are just naturally warm people. They love everyone they come in contact with. Other people, it just comes naturally to to stand firm in the truth of God's Word. And we need both of those kinds of people. Thank the Lord for both. But what each one might need to work on might be different. What I need to work on, which side of this equation I'm, I'm maybe lacking, might be different than what you need to work on. But each one of us is called to be both. Each one of us is called to be like Jesus. And Jesus was not just one or the other. Jesus was the perfect balance of love and grace, but also truth. We want to be full of grace and truth, just like Jesus. We want to show His love to the world around us and then lead them to heaven. Let us determine not to abandon love 
as we share truth, but not to abandon truth as we share love. Let us determine to be both. And that is what God will be pleased with when we are both of these things and we are a reflection of God to the world around us. It will pay dividends for all of eternity. For us, because we've done what God commanded, but also for those that we lead to Him, that we can then spend eternity with them and with Jesus in heaven someday. As we come and pray tonight, our song is 488.